The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is uh, 11.05 already. Look at that. Another edition of the Pinpoint Health Show is here. Welcome aboard. The phone line's already open, 416-870-6400. You have questions about COVID-19 or your general health, bring them on. Dr. Lou is here. want to mention right off the top uh, on social media, all over it, all over it, Instagram, Facebook, tons of wonderful stuff to be learned there. I've been following for months. You should as well. And simply search Pinpoint Health or Dr. Lou. That as well. And the Lou Down, the Lou Down, brand new podcast. And this whole month has been focusing uh, mainly on COVID-19. The Lou Down, a great podcast. Check that out when you got some time. And uh, Dr. Lou, big show today. This is going to be uh, This is going to be a good one. Uh, Minister Michael Tobolo is here, Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, joining the show, and your phone calls as well. Again, 416-870-6400. How are you, pal? Good morning, John. I'm good. We're doing well. I, we have a very special guest uh, today yes. joining us again. We've, we've done our very best over the last few weeks um, to really provide as much information to the public. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Minister Tobolo um, about, a, I guess it was about a month and a half ago at Queen's Park, and and when I met him, we discussed uh, him coming on the show to speak about mental health and addiction because obviously dealing with what we deal with, uh, it's a big component. I don't think it could ever be more relevant uh, than what we're going through right now. So, Minister Tabolo, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Good morning. It's my pleasure to be on the show. So my understanding is that you are also okay because this is a live show. We want to try to interact with the public as much as possible, we're okay with taking calls. I think it would be good if the calls were tailored towards mental health and the things that you uh, work with specifically. Um, you also, when we met, um, and I was very impressed by this, you not only are the, you know, a, a minister, a lawyer, but you're also furthering your education. Can you tell us what you're doing right now? Yeah, um, well, before coming to politics, I was very interested in um, and worked in an addiction, a residential therapeutic community, helping men that were suffering from uh, addictions and concurrent disorders. So uh, I decided to go back to school, and uh, I'm in my final uh, stages of my doctorate, uh, now completing it in uh, clinical uh, psychology with an emphasis on addictions and concurrent disorders, which um, is uh, very timely given the, uh, the ministerial role that I hold in the government. Hmm. Yeah, and and that was part of the, the the absolute interest on my end too was that you're you're also going to be qualified from a health perspective to comment on these things. Can you give us a little bit um, about the state of things right now in in Ontario, specifically with towards uh, people's mental health and, and and addictions, just in general, before we sort of dive into some uh, specific subjects deeper. Yeah, well, mental health and addictions is something uh, our government identified as one of the uh, issues that uh, had not really been dealt with well in the past and made a commitment to invest $3.8 billion to develop uh, a plan. And the plan was developed. Um, It's uh, called the Roadmap to Mental Wellness, and it was launched just before the pandemic hit, which uh, has given us uh, an opportunity to take that plan which included everything from um, internet-based cognitive behavioral therapy to 
um, uh, mindability, a program that's uh, based on structured psychotherapy, and looking to build a system that's uh, no longer fragmented or uh, uh, really disconnected, which is what we identified, which the government identified in 2010 as being a concern. So we have been focused on that. Of course, when a pandemic hits, uh, typically we see about a million people uh, looking for, just over a million people that look for uh, help as a result of a mental health or addiction issue in the normal times, in the normal times, you know, pre-pandemic. Um, in situations like a pandemic, which really is an emergency situation or a crisis situa uh, situation, um, we see that that number spikes. And we started to see that um, our, our numbers are spiking in that uh, people are looking for help as a result of anxiety, depression, the isolation. So, yeah, we, we're seeing it and we're tracking it and uh, we're doing everything we can to uh, stay ahead of that particular curve. Yeah, and, and actually it's interesting that you, you bring up the program that your government was rolling out because um, right around that time we actually had Minister Elliott on the show who was speaking a little bit um, about that program, and that was just pre-pandemic. I think we, we had at the time, I remember her commenting on our show that I think we only had one case um, in Canada, so it was pretty early on. Um, in terms of, and, and you bring up a, a very, very important point, All right, mental health is is already something that um, is very, very important. There's still some type of stigma around it. It affects so many people. But in times like this, like during a pandemic, when people, especially being asked to isolate, which is one of the hard things uh, um, in terms of, of trying to get out of things like anxiety, depression, and you, you brought up cognitive behavior therapy, which we speak about all the time on the show, even for pain management. Um, and, and one of the big components around that is social support as well. What are and, and what are some recommendations, I guess, right now for people who who are feeling like that social isolation is only making things worse for them? What 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 types of maybe resources, tools, what what are some recommendations that you can give them? Yeah, and, and that's that's a really good question. I mean, when you think about um, and, and again, if we divide our communities into segments so that we're dealing with, you know, kids under the age of 12, 12 to 24 year olds, 24 to 36 or four, even 45, 45 to retirement. And then, of course, our seniors, 65 plus. Um, when you look at the different stages of life that we need to deal with and what people within each of those developmental cycles are looking for to feel fulfilled and to be able to do their work or to do their schoolwork. When you have a disruption where everyone is being told to physically isolate um, and maintain physical distance from other people, you really create a situation where people are thrown off routines, where people are no longer able to interact in ways that, that everyone is accustomed to. So what that in effect does, it starts to increase um, people's anxiety. Now, seniors are the, 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 the example that is most prevalent because, you know, telling a senior to stay in a long-term care or seniors residence uh, where they already have, they already are isolated. Um, it creates another layer of isolation, which increases the depression and the anxiety. So when you have that situation, or children who are not having not having a usual routine, seeing their friends, playing with them, going to class, 
following a structured day, you start to have issues with the individual looking to find ways to compensate. And in a lot of cases, it isn't easy to compensate. So they need to do something more. They need to, to look uh, for something. And this Minister, is where we have to interrupt you. We've got to take a quick break. We're going to be right back, and we're going to let you continue that thought then. Okay, thank you. Lots more on the way. Take a short one. Get right back to it. Pinpoint House Show right here at Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 1115 Pinpoint Health Show here on Global News Radio. Want to reach out anytime, 1-855-55-DR-LOU, D-R-L-O-U, pinpointhealth.ca. And you want to go to uh, into social social media, Instagram, Facebook, either Pinpoint Health or Dr. Lou, and the Lou Down, the brand new podcast that is up and running, focusing uh, largely on COVID-19 for the last month. Uh, Dr. Lou, good stuff there as well. Thanks, John. Before we went to break, well, again, we have Minister... Uh, Michael Tabulo, who is the Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, here with us speaking about uh, what the government is doing um, for the mental health aspect of, of the population during this critical time um, with COVID-19. And so we're also, we're also available to take calls. So if you're listening and you, and you want to ask the minister a question related to this, please call in. Minister, before we went to break, you were speaking about the social isolation aspect and, and you were just on the aspect of seniors with them being in things like nursing homes and being feeling even more isolated and then we had to go to break. Let me turn it back to you to finish your thought there. Thank you. Um, it, this basically what we need to do is ensure that there are supports virtually for the seniors. Now, we, we are seeing that we're having a lot of issues with the long-term care and uh, the seniors' residences and uh, being able to go visit now is no longer possible. What we need to do is we need to make sure that we do include them in our, our communications and our daily routines, whether it be picking up the phone and speaking to them, uh, whether it be, um, you know, Facebook, uh, Zoom, um, things like that are really important to maintain that connectedness because, again, isolation um, is necessary. Physical isolation is necessary, but that doesn't mean social isolation. And, uh, again, uh, all the methods of communication that we have available to us, it's easy to keep them involved and engaged. Uh, our children, we have to be very cognizant of what they're experiencing right now because a lot of them are, are having uh, to deal with issues of uh, uh, bereavement. Uh, some of them have lost loved ones. Uh, some of them uh, have been able to grieve. Others are concerned that their friends are losing someone and it could happen to them. Uh, dialogue, transparency, openness. Uh, it's okay sometimes to not have the answers. And I think uh, with our kids, we have to have those conversations. We have to be able to um, speak to them and, and see what their feelings are. Um, it's really important to listen to them, uh, to give them the opportunity to just sort of go off and start talking and hear what they have to say and find some quiet time to have those discussions. So there are strategies that can be adopted. Uh, there are also great helplines. Uh, you know, there's Connects Ontario for adults. There's Kids Help Phone for kids under the age of uh, 18. There's a program called Bounce Back for kids 15, for individuals 15 and over. Uh, there's also uh, access for post-secondary students through uh, 
a uh, text or a phone, and all those numbers are available on our website, uh, uh, on .ca um, forward slash coronavirus. Uh, they're, they're all, everything is listed there in terms of supports for anyone that, that needs it, um, including including all our frontline workers because they're under a tremendous amount of stress as well with the work that they're doing. Um, so we even have uh, supports for them to make sure that they stay healthy mentally. And that, that is uh, a huge concern. You know, I keep on telling people that we talk about health, but you cannot be healthy if you do not have mental health. That is the, the paramount concern that we should have. And uh, we're certainly very invested as a government in ensuring that um, the supports are there for everyone from the youth, children, all the way to seniors. We're joined here with uh, Minister Tabolo on the Pinpoint Health Show. Um, Dr. Tabolo, just before we break, and right, you might have to answer this after we come back, actually. In fact, we'll go to break. I'll leave you this question, um, and you can answer when we come back. Uh, beginning of April, there was an article around called, uh, it was referring to what is called the echo pandemic, and this is the mental health situation that we're going to be looking at, not so much in the here and now, but after the actual physical component of the pandemic is over, the ripple effect of mental health uh, that's going to follow that. I want you to Comment on that after we uh, we take a short break here. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 1122 Pinpoint Health Show reaching out to online. Go to Instagram, Facebook, and other social media avenues. Pinpoint Health or Dr. Lou in that regard. And the Lou Down, a brand new podcast feature courtesy of uh, Dr. Lou. This month has been dealing with COVID-19. But uh, in the here and now, Minister Michael Tobola was with us. And uh, yeah, Mr. Tobola, just before we went to break, the echo pandemic, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's not a new term, but it came back into light uh, with this COVID-19 pandemic. And mental health uh, will be on the rise for all the things you just mentioned following the physical attributes of the pandemic when they pretty much get, get tamped down and more than planked, but pretty much physically gone what uh, what do you think about that next coming months years the effect that's going to have yeah that, that, that's a, an excellent question and you know i can i can give you some examples you know we we keep on saying that history has a tendency of repeating itself so if we look at history we can see that uh, following the global financial crisis in 2007-2008 there were a lot of countries that had uh, significantly higher rates of depression anxiety and alcohol and drug use uh, in 2008, in the recession, 13% increase in suicides was uh, was seen, and I mean the numbers are staggering. You know, Forbes also just published an article that in one poll found 45% of adults in the United States have stated that COVID-19 has had an impact on their mental health, with 19% saying it had a major impact. And I can go on. You know, Tennessee, there's a published a report that the hotline use jumped 800 to 800% during oh. the pandemic. And in Canada, you know, we're seeing that uh, uh, kids like help, uh, kids help phone uh, are, are, are seeing numbers like they've never seen before. They've uh, invoked and uh, required a slew of new volunteers to assist with the increased number of calls. And, you know, it, it, this is the beginning. Um, uh, we can call it a, a, a second wave or we can call it uh, typically uh, something that, that would rise with the increase in the number of positive cases because we keep on hearing about more people, uh, there are more deaths, 
But one of the things that the government is doing that we are very careful with, we have a command table that uh, works around mental health and looking at tracking numbers. So we're tracking numbers like 911 calls. We're tracking numbers of uh, the calls to the different phone helplines. We're tracking, uh, you know, uh, deaths uh, related to uh, addictions, uh, as well as, you know, what's happening with the COVID. And uh, we're putting in place, I mean, we announced uh, last week, I believe, a $12 billion investment in uh, advancing the online resource support so that um, we're there when people need us to be there. And, uh, I, you know, I want to emphasize anyone listening, if you're feeling any issue or questions with respect to being anxious about what's going on, um, there's, there's help. Phone, there's help for you. Um, and, you know, the economic impact, uh, so when we talk about that second wave, the imp- economic impact is going to be something we're monitoring as well. A lot of businesses, the reality is, will not reopen. A lot of people will not have jobs. So lots and lots of work for us to do. There is a lot Four, of work. Yep. Sorry, Don. So I'm just going to say, we got. To, you want to call through and ask uh, the minister a question, or Dr. Lou, for that matter, 416-870-6400. In that regard, uh, Chris, thanks for hanging on for a couple minutes, fella. How are you? How are you guys? Good. What's going on? Okay, I've got two points. One is to the minister, first of all. Minister, my concern is is that with the people in the long-term care residence, first of all, and I'm not faulting this government, it's been from provincial governments, from past liberal governments, we need to get rid of these private for-profit organizations for these senior facilities. They are terrible. They treat the people disrespectfully, and their staff, they pay them terribly. So that needs to be looked into. Um, The second point that I'd like to make is I'm curious in regards to, I have a family member who is up north, who is in a long-term care facility and cannot leave the facility to get blood work done. So they have to go in. These companies like Life Labs and Dynacare have to go in and do the blood work. And they are now being billed $30, $40 for this. And my family member can't afford to pay that $30 or $40. So those are my two points. Okay, well, if I can, on the first point, um, uh, I think you've seen our Premier is very adamant, and our Minister uh, Fullerton, with respect to long-term care, very adamant that the system needs uh, overhaul. It's broken. So I I think there'll be a lot of talk once things settle down uh, in terms of long-term care and the the work that needs to be done there. Um, So that's the point well taken, and it is something that, we discussed and are, are, are looking into. The second point uh, with respect to... Discussion doesn't cut it anymore. You know, paying somebody to work with a homeless... Chris, this is Dr. Louis. Please allow the minister to answer. He listened when you spoke. Let's show him the same respect, please. Minister, please go ahead. Yeah, so I, I, I can't really comment anymore on that, but believe me, we've done more in the less than two years we've been in government than has been done in 15 years prior to it. And I can demonstrate that, you know, with facts, not not with words. Uh, but it, we are we re- realize that there's a lot of work to be done in that field, and we are looking at the different aspects. The minister is very engaged. 
and she's doing a fabulous job moving this plow forward. So just give us a little bit of time. Be patient. We, we can't fix everything in two years. We certainly have looked at everything in the last two years, and our intention is to fix uh, these issues. Uh, on the point relating to the private, to the billing for the labs having to come and do um, uh, diagnostic testing because the individual can't get out, I'm going to investigate that. This is the first I've heard, but I'm sure this is something that uh, I will. I'll take it back to the Ministry of Health. We'll have discussions about it and see what we can do about that. It doesn't seem fair uh, under the circumstances. So thank you for bringing that up, and I, w- I will look into that. Fellas, we'll take a a short break here. Your phone calls, you want to lay one across to the minister? No problem. That's what we're talking about. 416-870-6400. This is a Pinpoint Health Show. It's right here. Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Minister Michael Tobolo, Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, joins us here on the Pinpoint House Show. You'll want to reach out uh, for the next few minutes anyway, 416-870-6400. You can do that or go to Pinpoint Health on social media. And the uh, the Lou Down, Dr. Lou's latest uh, endeavor, that would be the uh, podcast you can catch uh, starting now. Been around for about a month. Good stuff. Hey, Luigi, go ahead. Yeah, Minister, if we could take a slight turn, it's, I think it still all relates to health and mental health because... I mean, one of the big aspects in general in life that leads to a lot of mental health issues is also finances. And I think there's an interesting thing that we may understand after all of this. And I had the pleasure of having uh, Michael Ford, um, the city councillor on the Lou Down the podcast um, this past week. And we spoke about the responsibility of government in terms of making sure that balance, that budgets are balanced, that we're not just recklessly spending all the time, which I think your, I think your government has done a great job of that. But I think this highlights the, the importance, and this is also for personal finances. We don't know when problems like this are going to happen. And I think all levels of government right now have stepped up in an incredible way to do as much as they can for everybody, um, whether it's at the municipal level, at the provincial level, at the federal level. Well, I think there's some level here where it speaks to the importance of responsibility with financing, even at the government level, because at some point, we're going to also have to figure out how to pay for all these things. Do you, can you give us a little bit of input on that? Well, I, I mean, you know, the economic uh, security of a province or of a country is uh, extremely important from the standpoint of, you know, its cost of borrowing in terms of, you know, not spending more than it uh, can or has to spend. Uh, the pandemic has shown us, though, that there are situations that we really need to invest, one, for the health and safety of individuals, but also, as you see and as you'll see, um, in terms of recovery. So yeah. I, I think when it comes to situations like this, all governments can really do plan. Uh, that if there is uh, a situation where money needs to be deployed to assist, whether it be the health or it becomes the the, uh, the, the recovery, uh, those investments have to be made. Uh, we saw investments made by the Harper government uh, that in infrastructure that were uh, extremely successful from the standpoint of keeping us out of a, of a deep uh, recession uh, when, when his government was in power. And I think what you'll see as well 
both federal and the provincial governments working to ensure that infrastructure spending continues as well as other types of spending that will stimulate the growth of the economy again. Now, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that, uh, um, you know, this is just a question of getting us back to work and we'll flick a switch and everything will go back to the way it was. Um, I, I beg to differ with that. I really think that what we need to do is prepare our minds to recognize that this is going to be a marathon. Um, you know, when you run, if you're a sprinter, it's a very different process in training than it is when you're a, a marathon runner, a distance runner. Uh, we have to prepare people's mindsets to start to think that, you know, there's a lot of situations where we're going to have to start again. There's a lot of situations, opportunities that are going to present themselves. And entrepreneurs are fantastic at picking up opportunities. I mean, just look at the response to the fact that the supply chain was broken. Uh, in the province of Ontario, from ventilators to masks to shields to uh, gowns to boots to, I mean, it's incredible the response, how quickly we turned the province. Now, that kind of ingenuity and entrepreneurship we need to uh, work with and as government restore confidence because that's the key here. It's the confidence in individuals that, that they need to have in order to go forward, whether they're creating jobs or having to go to work every day again. Absolutely. I mean, the I think the the key to any government, the success of any government, is is the people that are part of that uh, of that place. Whether in Ontario, it's the Ontarians. But uh, Minister, we have a couple calls coming in. John, why don't we go to them? I believe they're for the minister. You bet, Frank. You're uh, you're on the air. How are you? Hey, Frank. Hi there. Yep. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Yep. Can now. Questions for the minister. Uh, you do a great job in all your portfolios. I follow you on Instagram, so I uh, commend you on your uh, tenacity. But I have one question regarding your current portfolio regarding cannabis. Uh, now would be the time to look into the studies that shows that uh, the H-19, which Premier uh, Ford is a big uh, proponent of the or against the federal government's age of 18. But studies have shown that uh, prior to the age of 25 that the cannabis has an impact on individual's brain growth. So would now be the time to look into those studies and ensure that we can maybe jump the age from 19 to closer to 25 and be the first province to be a leader in that, in that capacity? Frank, I, that's a fantastic question. And, um, you know, again, I, I, I look at the cannabis and the rollout of the cannabis. Remember, that was uh, documented or was brought forward by the federal government. And our job as a province was to look at, you know, making sure that we kept the roads safe, making sure that it stayed out of the hands of children, and making sure that we got rid of the illegal, um, you know, the illegal growth and sale of the product, um, you know, from, from out of criminal hands. Um, the age of uh, first use of cannabis is uh, a point that is debated, and it's debated often, and my background, my reading uh, supports what you're saying with respect to the, the mind, of the, the development of the mind, and the impact of cannabis on the development of the mind. Um, it's something that needs to be further debated, uh, definitely. Uh, but as it stands right now, the decision that was made was based on uh, a decision based on, 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 on the thinking at the time. So uh, is it open to be looked at again? I, everything is open to be looked at. So one thing about our premier is that um, he is really interested in ensuring we're doing the best 
for the province on all fronts. And uh, that is something that could, will definitely come up for discussion again, I'm sure. Okay. Um, as you're aware that, you know, I think when it comes to our, our youth and, and the age of our, our youth and their mental health, I think we have to put politics aside. And I think we really need to uh, grab the bull by the horns on this topic and do a lot more studies on that. Because as you're aware that the federal government, and I know your callers might not be aware, between the ages of 12 and under the age of 18, uh, they can possess up to five grams. So I, I just think federally 19 is not a good age. And I, I really hope, again, I'm a big fan of yours, that your current portfolio, that you can really push the envelope on this one, please. Thank you, Mr. Frank, I, I agree with you. And um, line, I'm always available. But uh, I'm a huge believer that we need to understand and educate individuals about what they should and shouldn't do. Everyone has a right to make a choice, and I don't want to say this, you know, with respect to kids, but everyone has a right to make a choice, and if we want our kids to make the right choices, our investments in government have to be in educating and building resiliency. Most kids use cannabis or alcohol or any variety of, uh, of, of drugs available not to just get high, but to self-medicate because of other underlying issues. So my belief and my concern is, I mean, I, I've read studies that show we can reduce addictions by 25% if we educate kids when as they're growing up. So we're talking about the school-age kids. That's where we should be investing money, and our roadmap to mental wellness has a very strong component for the development of resiliency and coping skills in kids. Um, it's not a perfect answer, but, you know, it's like saying, you know, why did we keep the, uh, the liquor stores open during the pandemic and leave them an right. essential service? The fact of the matter is we needed to. We, we, we had no choice but to uh, because yeah. we rely on people to do what their own personal best interest. We'll take a short break, fellas. More with the uh, more with the ministers coming up here in a phone call. Richard, I see you there. Hang on. We'll get to your calls. 416-870-6400. This is the Pinpoint Health Show. It's on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 11.43, Pinpoint House Show, reaching out to one 855 Dr. Lou. Anytime the show is not on the air, you want to go to Pinpoint Health and uh, check it out on social media like Instagram and Facebook. And the Lou Down is a brand-new podcast uh, that uh, Dr. Lou is doing. You want to tune into that and get lots more information here. Uh, remaining time with Minister Tobolo. Going to take another call, guys. It's been uh, been standing by. Oops, Jody, I forgot you got to do this. I keep messing that up. Sorry, pal. We'll get to uh, to Richard. Hey, Richard, how are you? Oh, good morning. That was funny. Hey, I like the show. I like the program. Uh, I have a question. Um, I've been trying to understand my uh, dysfunctionality. I've been reading about toxic shame, the, the way we grow up in a dysfunctional society and dysfunctional uh, environment. Is, is that really the, the core of um, our addictions and mental health problems and um, multiple divorces, all those sort of things, marrying somebody that uh, was like, like your last that was truly dysfunctional, all those sort of things? Hmm. Uh, so I think that's a, a great question. I'm going to turn it to the minister in a second, even with his um, um, psychology background that he's working on completing his doctorate. But, I mean, I think from my perspective, it, with all things in healthcare, it's usually multifactorial, right? Like there's very often, very rarely just one thing 
especially when you're dealing with something as complicated as um, mental health and psychosocial health. Um, it, it's very rarely one thing that probably leads to it. Now, when you look at the research around these things, and, and, and Minister, you, you probably know more about this than, I've, um, that I, than I know, but um, the idea of trauma and the different levels of trauma that can happen in life that can lead to these things, um, it, it's quite a tough thing. Like, it's very easy for us with my specialty when, when dealing with the body from a physical medicine perspective. Most people can appreciate that, you know, that as we get older, things break down, things happen because of the amount of wear and tear that happens um, and the trauma, the micro traumas that happen. The mind is not all that different and, and potentially even more susceptible to those things. So I think, again, I think it really comes down to a lot of different layers, a lot of different things that contribute to these things. But Minister, I'll, I'll turn it to you with, with what you're working on with your doctorate. Um, you probably have some insight you want to share. Yeah, the, the, thank you, uh, it, it's, a, it's an interesting question as well because when we talk about um, an individual's mental health, uh, one of the challenges is to understand, because no two people are the same, is to understand what is triggering the issue. So the first thing we always try to do is rule out any physiological issues, whether there's been any kind of neural developmental disorder that, that, that could have been uh, uh, triggered or that, that is part of the genetic makeup of the individual. That's an important piece that we need to understand because not none of us, not, none, no two people are the same. Then we grow up in different environments. I mean, you know, my childhood and where I grew up uh, in downtown Toronto and the influences that the course of my life have given me have created who I am and how I react in that environment. Uh, some people, unfortunately, experience trauma as children, and that trauma is embedded in their, envir in their environment, in their, their, their life, um, and may only be triggered as a result of another traumatic experience later on in life. Um, other kids, uh, you know, are, be are very anxious because of, you know, the, the familial situation is not perfect from the standpoint of, you know, uh, uh, a mother and father that are arguing all the time or, you know, if there's any kind of physical or sexual abuse that influences the individual. Um, and then there are just, you know, people that um, have different thresholds as a result of, of you know, of uh, 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 experience. You know, some of us have a more tolerance or more have a higher tolerance for, uh, for stress than others because we've lived in stressful situations. Um, so you've got to look at all of those, and we call those the biopsychosocial, familial, and I would go one step further and say spiritual. You need to look at all those different aspects of a person's life during that initial interview to properly assess and diagnose what needs to be done. And then uh, there's a ton of cognitive behavior. There's all kinds of therapies, but we've had huge, huge success with cognitive behavioral therapy. We've seen it uh, utilized in England through a structured psychotherapy model that is now in Ontario, MindAbility. It's just in the process of being rolled out. And it helps, cures 50% of the people that go through the process and helps 15% improve their uh, um, their symptoms. So it's a highly successful, and that, you know, is the vast, thankfully, is the vast majority of people that have um, uh, psychosocial type issues that have, uh, that need help. The ones that are more acute, we have therapies for that as well. We have four brilliant hospitals in the province of Ontario with incredible uh, individuals that are, are at the top of their field. So there is help in the province of Ontario, um, and, and and it's there for people today. But it'll also be there uh, in, in you know once we get through the pandemic. Uh, Lou, if I could just very quickly say thank you 
to all the first responders. I know that there's a lot of people who see this program, and I just want to say thank you for the incredible work that you all do, whether it be in the hospital, healthcare, mental health, whether it be the people working in the grocery stores, the people, the sanitation people that are looking after and keeping things clean for us. This and, and you know, what we are seeing in Ontario is a tribute to the incredible work that they're all doing, all the volunteers that are, are out there doing things, helping our seniors and helping people, and also the media. Uh, we've all worked together to make uh, sure that people are staying at home, and thank you to the people that are staying at home. Uh, we're going to get through this as a result of everyone being so vigilant and careful and, and continuing to maintain that social distancing. Of course. I think, John, do we have to take a quick break or do we got some time? I think we'll take, uh, you know, let's get the break out of the way now before we get to uh, to Carrie. I know she's got a question standing behind the phone lines. And if you've got a last-minute question for the minister or Dr. Lou, no problem. 416-870-6400. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 11.52 here the uh, Pinpoint House Show. The Lou Down is the podcast you want to check out as well. Go ahead, pal. Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, Minister, we have one more call. Before we get to that, I think, I think the, you know, on this show, I consistently, and John is a testament to this, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of cognitive behavior therapy for things even like chronic pain um, in terms of, and I use it, we use it in our practices in terms of helping people overcome that. And, and I, I've used chronic, uh, or sorry, chronic behavioral therapy for myself for other things that I've dealt with in my life. And it's, and it's so incredibly underutilized and people really need to start to appreciate that. The, it's really cognitive behavior therapy. It's about trying to change the way you think. And because, and, and it's, you know, we don't have enough time in the in the next few minutes that we have left on the show to get into the nitty gritty on it. And and I believe um, your staff um, also said you'd come on to the the podcast. Maybe we can uh, have a more extended conversation there specifically around that because I think the initiatives that the government is putting out specifically around cognitive behavior therapy are absolutely genius. And I do think it's it's the future of of dealing with mental health. Let's John. Let's take this next call for the minister. Let's make it quick um, because we have very little time left. We sure will get to uh, to Carrie. Hi, Carrie. How are you? Hi. Good. Thank you. There's two parts to my question. Um, first of all, I'm just um, concerned about people stuck at home with chronic pain who can't get out and see their regular therapist during the lockdown. And second of all, if we could quickly discuss how um, doctors often prescribe antidepressants to help with chronic pain and how that can potentially help. So, yeah, and, and that's a, we have a very little time, Carrie. So it's, those are loaded things. In terms of the first part, I think there are options. I mean, just as an example, with our office, which deals with a lot of pain stuff, we are offering virtual care. Um, and, and, and the big thing here with chronic issues, and something I talk about a lot, is a lot of the transition of therapy with chronic issues becomes active care, which is the things that you need to be doing for yourself, which are things that can be done through a virtual type of environment. So it's not just about passive interventions in a clinic setting, which are important, of course. And, and yes, we have to sort of understand the time that we're in, and, and it's not necessarily ideal, but I think there are 
still tools available. So, and, 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 and then on the other part, I think it's, it's very complicated. I'd encourage you go to the Lou Down, the podcast. I've had a number of, of health experts come in and specifically start to talk about these types of issues that you're bringing up. Um, and, and I think you can get a lot of information around there. And again, I think maybe um, eventually with the minister, he can, he can grace us and join us there too. So minister, if you want to add something to that uh, quickly before we, we end off here, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't have very much to say about it. I'm not a, an expert when it comes to chronic pain. I do know that there are amazing therapies out there. The uh, mindfulness is another uh, uh, great therapy that can assist in terms of, you know, breathing and, and, and dealing with, but with chronic, uh, um, I know that there's a lot of pharmacological uh, interventions that work with actual work that, that you would do um, in your field, doctor. And uh, again, I, I can't comment too much on it, but there's help out there. And uh, um, if there's a, if you're, if you've got a podcast on it, I, I'd like to listen to it myself. Carrie, have you listened to my show before? Or is this the first time? Um, bits and pieces. I think last week I listened to it a little bit. So we, this, this show's been going on for four years. Before COVID, it's mainly about pain. I would encourage you on anywhere where you can find a podcast, iTunes, you can even go to the Global News site, look up the Pinpoint Health Show, listen to past episodes. This is what we've been talking about mm-hmm. for four years on chronic pain. There's all kinds of information. Um, and then, you know, always feel free to reach out to me. We can try to find um, some ways that we can, the, that our organization can help you during this time. So thank you for calling in and, and, and thanks for listening. Uh, Minister, I believe when I was speaking to your office, they had said you had 45 minutes time to spend with us. You've spent the whole hour. I'm very, very appreciative. Um, I think I, you, I want to say thank you to you, to your government, for what you guys have done during this time to step up to help the people of Ontario. It's been an absolute pleasure having you um, here and you're always welcome to come back. Appreciate that, Lou. You're doing a great job as well. Appreciate the opportunity to speak to the public. And uh, last message, please stay safe, stay home, maintain social distancing. We are going to come through this and we'll come out stronger. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Minister. That was Minister Michael Tabulo, who is the Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addiction, who um, kindly was on the show today to help us. Um, We'll get him on the podcast for a continued conversation. John, another action-packed show that we've had today. In fact, it may be the least amount that I've ever talked. I, yeah, I know. It it was, uh, it, it's really good, man. We're doing uh, we're doing great stuff on the show here regularly. Look, if you want to uh, reach out to Dr. Lou, now that we're done on air, it is simple. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. Pinpoint Health is what you want to search on social, uh, social media as well. And the Lou Down, again, as mentioned throughout the whole show, that is the new podcast series. Tune into that as well. And we'll be back here uh, next weekend, I believe, doing it all over again. Appreciate you tuning in, calling, and uh, we'll continue on in a week from now. Pinpoint Health Show. Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.